Kindled Podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our donors. If you want to join them in making this show possible, visit kindledpodcast.com slash give. Welcome back to another episode of Kindled Podcast, a show about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. I'm your host, Haley Williams. Join me as I talk with women just like you. They are entrepreneurs, corporate employees, stay-at-home moms, and everything in between. We chat about work, mom life, and how God's grace is transforming us through our unique and beautiful stories. Love for God and perseverance for our assignments is kindled in our hearts as we look to Him and preach the gospel to ourselves and each other. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hello, and welcome to episode 63 of Kindled. I'm your host, Haley Williams. Today, I'm chatting with Cheryl Scruggs. Cheryl is the co-author of a book by her husband and her called I Do Again. She is the founder, along with her husband, of Hope for Marriages Ministries, and she also has her own podcast called Thriving Beyond Belief. Cheryl is someone that you're going to learn a lot from. She is someone who has walked a, a, a very painful road. She and her husband had 10 years of disappointing marriage, seven painful years of divorce, but one remarkable true life story of a love rescued by God. So that is what we talk about today, her story and what she's learned and how we as women can take what she went through and learn from that and apply some of the things that she has learned to our own lives. So I know that you're going to benefit a lot from this, especially if you are married, but even if you're single, I think you'll still have a lot to take away. So Here's my conversation with Cheryl Scruggs. So today on Kindled, I am talking with Cheryl Scruggs. Cheryl, thank you so much for coming on today. Girl, I am so excited. <laughs> I I am really excited to be chatting with you because, you know, I've been following your ministry and your work and just what you're doing for a while and just always really encouraged by what I see you putting out there. And I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners and kind of tell us about who you are and what you do. Yeah. Um, my name's Cheryl Scruggs and I, gosh, there's so many things, but I am an empty nester. Um, I have two daughters that are, they're twins and they're almost 31, both married. We went through some, a couple of traumas in our last, I guess, 40 years or so, but my husband and I were married once in 1982 and we divorced in 1992. And there's a whole story there. And we share that story publicly and what, you know, that was quite a, quite a journey. And uh, there was adultery on my end. Never thought I was capable of that. Never thought uh, it would be something that entered my life, but it tore our marriage apart and we divorced in 92. And I became a Christian right after that. And I grew up in church. I mean, I grew up going to church my whole life. Um, Didn't realize that I didn't know the gospel and, and Jesus and Two months after our divorce was final, I came to know him personally, and God put me on a path to restore our marriage. And my husband had tried so hard to keep it together. Our girls were four when we divorced, and uh, he just begged me to stay, go to counseling, do whatever you know we needed to do. But I was in the middle of an affair, and he didn't know that. And I was pretty much lying out of my teeth. And we moved from LA to Dallas in the middle of that, and so. I actually thought I could run away from the situation and, you know, being the oldest of five, super responsible, just like, what am I doing? Where have I come to? I don't really know how to work on my marriage, but then I feel like I've met this soulmate, which is just such a 
deception and, you know, came to Dallas and just divorced Jeff anyway. And our, our basic issue in the marriage, and, you know, a lot of people know our story, but because we share it, you know, all over, but it was an emotional connection thing for me. And that's what happened. I started talking to a guy I'd known for a long time and we connected on a heart level. And that was really the big, big thing. And I didn't know how to talk to Jeff about that. I was afraid to talk to Jeff about that. And once I got into the affair, then I was really afraid to tell him what was really going on. And I was fearful that he would take my kids from me, which, you know, wasn't even a possibility, but I didn't know all of that. You know, I told him I had become a Christian and then I felt like God, we we didn't do it the right way and that God wanted us to have another chance. And he said, you're crazy. Don't ever talk to me about that. Mm. And we'll do fine with the kids, but I, I don't ever want to hear hear that from you. And so basically that led to, I'm giving you really the cliff notes and yeah. our book tells our whole story. But basically from that, I started pursuing reconciliation and it took seven years. So we got remarried in 1999. It's 20 years this year. Wow. Uh, back together. It'll be in October. And God birthed a marriage ministry out of that. And from that ministry has come, we counsel couples, couple to couple, but I see women and my husband sees guys. And we really just try to pour into people. And, you know, we didn't have that. And so I, we're, that's why we're so passionate about it. And so from there, you know, I have a podcast for women, which, you know, is called Thriving Beyond Belief. And mm-hmm. really my, where, where God led me in that is there's, there's so many women not thriving. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm 60 now. And I see it so much and I just have such a heart for women and, you know, just helping them thrive because that plays into every part of your life, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think people are shaking their heads as you're speaking because, I mean, we all have been or are currently at a place where we don't feel like we're thriving. Yeah. And if we're not in that season or haven't just come out of it, we were probably about to go into it. You know, I mean, there, there are uh, obviously life is cyclical and, and seasonal, but what I love about what you guys do is that you are taking the pain of your past, the story that really unfolded in your life, against any thought or dream you probably had for your life. You know, like you said, you're like the responsible one. You're like, you know, I've got this. I can manufacture a solution to this. I can find my way out of this. And yet you've turned that into something that you're allowing God to use for good in so many people's lives, because you know that so many people are exactly where you guys were, regardless of whether there's been an affair or infidelity or just distance because of the years. So it's really amazing because I think we all have pain in our past and all have different things that God allows us to go through and then really can use for our good and his glory. But it can be really hard to actually be open and willing for God to use those things because it is still painful for us to even sometimes remember them. You know, um, yeah. I'm just speaking for myself. How did you get to the place where that became obvious? Like, I know I'm skipping past your entire story, but how, did, how did that come about that you were willing and excited or saw the potential for you to share your story to help. Yeah. <laughs> I laugh because well, one, we didn't plan on it. Number two, never dreamed that our, our story would be so public. And so what happened was we got back together in 1999 and people in the Dallas area, some uh, pastors in the Dallas area were getting wind of our story. And the unusual part about it is that we were divorced for so long, mm-hmm. neither one of us remarried. And it was just kind of like, 
who gets back together after seven years, you know? Right. And so it was kind of intriguing for a lot of people. So pastors were wanting us to share our story, literally like six months after we got back together. Wow. And then what started happening is, is people were putting couples in our life to, Hey, these people are struggling. Could you meet with them at Starbucks? Could you m- maybe have them out over or whatever? So we started doing that and it just kept snowballing so much. And my husband worked for Oshkosh Bagash. So he had a corporate career. And so I ended up kind of doing the ministry full time. We we became a 501c3 in 2004. And so I was kind of doing that part, kind of setting up the meetings. He was trying to work and it ended up where our book came out in 2008 and it kind of catapulted us into a whole nother level of visibility and all of that. And so Jeff felt like he had two full-time jobs. And so in 2009, he went full-time. That's been, gosh, almost 10 years now. It's crazy to even think about, but it seems like yesterday, but we've, that's what we've been doing now full-time for the last 10 years, but we've really been doing it for 10 and I mean, for 20. And it's just that what ended up happening is initially we were like, well, we don't want to like stand up on a stage and share all this junk. But what we were realizing as we were meeting with people is, man, marriages are struggling, period. And you can put a good face on and you can act like things are great. But the reality is there's no perfect marriage mm-hmm. and we all need community and we all need help doesn't mean we're all desperate, but you know, we're sinners and sinners are married to sinners. And, you know, I'm a child of God, but I'm a sinner. And so I don't do life perfectly. And, and so we just all need that. And so Jeff saw that we saw that vision Mm -hmm. and of just being able to really pour into people. And it just, I mean, it's, there's just so much going on out there that we all need to help each other. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you've seen God work through your ministry? I mean, I know there's probably countless stories you could tell of the couples that you've worked with or the individuals you've worked with, but what are maybe some of the highlights of the last, you know, I guess 10 years that you guys have been doing this full time Yeah, that you've seen him? Where, where do you really see him at work? In a lot of places, but I think that you know, we named our ministry Hope Matters on purpose because I think when we get to a certain place in life, no matter what, you know, either devastation or trial or suffering has come down, we don't think there's hope for it to either restore, get better, it be different or whatever. And so, you know, what God taught me in the seven years of pursuing reconciliation is that he could do anything. And, you know, some of my verses are with us, things seem impossible. With God, all things are possible. And, you know, God can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. And, you know, people think, oh, you must have just sat in your chair every day and just like, oh, I know God's going to do this. And no, it wasn't like that. It was, it was really like up and down. And I was like, I don't, I mean, I can't do this anymore. Maybe I should start dating. I mean, I was in my thirties at that time. And so it was just constantly, being in in God's word. And so now what people often say, it seems to be a common thread is that by you guys, your story being what it is, gives me hope to think that God could do anything in mine, you know, and what kind of came on top of that too, is the goal being as an individual, either a husband or a wife, being obedient to God. So Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 10 is huge for me. It's, you know, basically paraphrased, obey all the commandments I'm giving you this day. I may take you through the desert 
these 40 years to test you and see where your heart is, but I'm bringing you into a good land. And what God was showing me in 1997 is that the good land was a new marriage, wasn't going to look anything like the first one. um, Mm -hmm. And that that's possible. And, you know, I had a hard time wrapping my arms around that. And so that that's huge. And also understanding that there's a wilderness period. And in Exodus with Israel, having to go through the wilderness, you know, it talks about in, I believe it's Exodus 13, 17, it says, but God took them the long way around into the wilderness before taking them to the Red Sea. So he could have taken them a shorter way, but he took them the long way around. And so when I think about my long way around, you know, God was teaching me so many things before yeah. Jeff and I even could reconcile. And he was doing the same with Jeff as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting point too, to bring out that the long way around that wilderness looks different for everyone, you know, yeah. and, and whether we're talking about um, a struggle with infertility or a struggle in your marriage or, you know, whatever it may be that we, we all kind of have different wilderness periods in our lives. And yeah that like you talked about the the good land or the promised land was a new marriage for you. I know there are women listening who have been through some sort of trauma in their their marriage and or relationship in the past and they're like but my good land wasn't a new marriage or yeah. God didn't restore my marriage how I thought or how I was praying or how I hoped he might. And I'm sure that you encounter women with that story and couples with that story, what's your encouragement to them? And and what's, what is the kind of the truth that you would say to them in those situations? Yeah. I mean, you asked me before, you know, what have you seen in the last 10 years or so? One, we've seen quite a few restored marriages. Mm -hmm. Okay. We see a lot of crisis situations. And so seeing those turn around, they don't always turn around. And what I try to talk to women about is that I didn't know the answer to our story either. But what was happening is, as I was in God's word every day, you know, when I would try to move on, and when our pastor, Matt Chandler at the village, he has interviewed us a couple times. And one of the questions he asked me this last time in 2016 was, well, so Cheryl, in the seven years, you never gave up, right? And I'm like, I probably gave up at least 200 times. Yeah. Because I couldn't see it, but I felt like God was still leading me there. So then when I would try to move on or, you know, go out on a date or something like that, it almost be like the Holy Spirit was hitting me over the head, like, what are you doing? Because it was very clear that's what I was supposed to be doing. But that isn't everyone's story. And so I think the most important thing is understanding that God wants you to make him first in your life, period. So he knows what he's going to do. And our job is to be tethered to him, be in his word, because what would happen to me is say I went on a date and I'd be sitting at the date and I'd be thinking, what am I doing here? And then I would go home and in the next, cause I was getting up, you know, and I still do the same thing today, 25 years later, but I get up in the morning and I'm in the word and people say, Oh, wasn't that nice? You've been doing that for 25 years. Well, I'm not always focused. I'm not, I do not have it all together. That's the one thing I want to say, Mm -hmm. but God would encourage me with a verse or someone would say something to me or Jeff would do something nice for me. I mean, we were kind to each other. We didn't like, you know, fight and all that kind of stuff, but I would just feel so discouraged. And so God would show me different things and be, you know, I I journal a lot back then. And I'd almost feel like, you know, the Holy Spirit was saying like, what are you doing? I want you to stay here. 
stay with me here, stay above the situation and just don't give up on this. But that's, again, that's not everyone's story. And so the most important thing is we have a walk with the Lord that is our own. And that's what you want to remember. And you've got to be close to him to kind of understand what that is. And then also be in community and not be kind of isolating yourself. Yeah. And not to put our hope in the outcome. Because right. that would be missing the point, you know, yep. and uh, again, with every various category of life that we, we may be feeling like, yeah, but I'm, I'm hoping I'm struggling to hope I, I want to despair. I want to give up. I think that you're exactly right. That God is wanting us. He wants our hearts. Like that's, that is always going to be first and foremost. And sometimes that end of the story does look like reconciliation and other times it doesn't, whether that's a family yeah. relationship or a sibling. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it doesn't, not everything is in our control. If the other person doesn't want that, like you can't force them. Yeah. But ultimately we always have God and the the perfect picture of reconciliation is the gospel and what Christ did for us, which reconciles us to him. And so right. regardless of what that specific outcome is in your, in your own life, one thing I, I love is this picture of kind of, I guess, even the name of your ministry, Hope Matters. That one thing, actually having hope is important to God. It is, it is important that you do regardless of what the outcome is. And I, I have a personal story that I can even share about that recently. So I'm pregnant. I'm five weeks pregnant with... Congratulations. Baby, thank you. Baby number three. And wow. before I found out I was pregnant, I just had like this certainty. I just kind of knew. I yeah. like I had that feeling, you know, a lot of women will say like, Oh, I just, I just knew, but I did have a feeling. So I kept taking tests. It was like a week before I was supposed to get my period. So I thought, you know, all the tests that you can test five or six days early and it'll be accurate. Yeah. And all of them, even the day before I was supposed to get my period were negative. All, I mean, four or five tests. I was like, what is going on? This is so weird. And with my other two daughters, I tested early and they came up positive. So I was kind of confused because this hadn't happened to me, but I just kept feeling a certainty. And, and there were a couple situations that were really, I think, God kind of affirming for me that, yes, you are. But then the test kept being negative. And so <laughs> I was so confused and I was just like, I was frustrated and I felt, I felt disappointed that why am I, I'm getting my hopes up. Like, I feel like yeah. I'm getting my hopes up and yet it keeps being negative, which is telling me, don't believe it. Don't get your hopes up because it's going to, you know, it's not going to happen this time. And yet, you know, I just had that certainty. And so I went to visit my friend in Nashville last weekend. Fun. I was in the shower. I was like, it was late at night. I was just like praying to God as I was taking a shower. And I was like, God, why is this, why is this happening? Like, why, why isn't it positive? But yet I have a certainty and a strange feeling that it is, that I am pregnant. I don't know what to do with that. And it feels confusing. And I feel kind of like a crazy person. Like I feel silly. I feel silly. And he said, I'm teaching you to hope again. Uh huh. Oh wow. And I was like, oh, okay. And it just made sense. Like in that very instant, like all of it made sense that I needed to learn to hope regardless of the outcome. I needed to learn to get my hopes up and not for the outcome of being pregnant, not for the outcome of having a baby or whatever, because that's not a guarantee, but in him, hoping in him, hoping that 
if he, you know, if he is good that I can trust him, you know, I can hope because I trust a good God. And so that was really, I mean, just really transformative for me spiritually to realize like, he's not telling me hope in a pregnancy or hope in having a baby. Cause I surely know that, you know, even if you have kids, it's like, they, they do not work to put your hope in, (laughs) but it was just really, it was really cool to see that, like that hope matters to God. It it does. And, and regardless of what happens with this pregnancy and how things go, that that is a lesson that he wanted me to learn. And so I just, sure. I, I really appreciate that, that that's part of your guys' story too. And it's really Well, because cool. the other thing is I had no guarantee that Jeff was going to come back around or anything. And, you know, from biblically, he didn't have to re- reconcile with me yeah. based on the adultery. So, you know, but God is a reconciling God. And so I kept hoping in that. And knowing the changes that were going on in my heart. I mean, when I became a Jesus follower, literally it was two months after our divorce was final. And it was, it was literally like a Damascus road experience for me. And I was 33 and it was just like, you know, I already knew what I was doing was wrong. Like, you know, it's wrong. If you're an atheist, you know, and you know, I had a moral compass for heaven's sakes. So I knew what I was doing, but I was so in, and maybe this is somewhere we, we could talk about a little bit, but I was so lonely in my marriage. Yeah. You know, part of that was my own fault. Part of it was the fact that we didn't have any spiritual focus at all. Yeah, I was I was so lonely. I, I didn't know what to do with that. And I I literally, and this is where I feel like um I know there's a lot of women listening to this that are lonely. And so what do we do with that? So for me, I internalized it. And, you know, some of that has to do with family of origin stuff. And I, being an oldest, I was super responsible. I didn't, I wasn't needy when I was a kid. Uh, I had to do a lot of parenting of my siblings and all of that. And I've learned all that through different periods of counseling for personal counseling that I've gone through. And I didn't even know any of that stuff. And so it, it was like, how do I talk to my husband? No one taught me how to do that. And so the loneliness just manifested itself into, you know, an affair for me. Just, again, I wasn't looking for it. I just, in a sense, innocently started talking to this guy. And then before I knew it, six hours later, where it's, it's five o'clock in the morning, we're at a sales meeting and we're still talking. And I mean, it literally like the way I describe it is my heart was being stolen mm. and I didn't even realize it. And so I think the encouragement I want to offer there is there is hope for your marriage, but I think we women tend to be so fearful sometimes that we don't um, step, you know, really kind of push through the fear, be able to talk to our husbands about what we're really, what's really going on in it, that he takes it seriously. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm struggling (laughs) and we, you need to know that. And you know, be able to try to do that. And, and trust me, as many women as I see, I know this isn't some easy thing and I don't want to make it sound that way, but I think the challenge is being able to learn how can I share my heart in a vulnerable way to my husband without being afraid and being able to really, you know, totally open up. Yeah, absolutely. I want to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode and it's actually myself kindled. What does that mean? It means that I am accepting new sponsors for this show. So if you listen to Kindled regularly, you know that we are all about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. The women who listen to this show are hardworking moms who stay at home, have corporate careers, and work from home, and really everything in between. So if you have a product or a service that you believe would be a great fit for this audience, I would love to hear about it. 
tell me what it is, and I would be happy to send you our sponsorship rates and all the different package options that I have to help you promote your business, as long as I feel it's a good fit for this audience. If you've never thought about podcast advertising before and you thought maybe it's just too expensive, I doubt I could afford it, let me tell you right up front, you can afford it no matter where you're at in your business. My sponsorship rates actually start at $20 for one ad on one episode. And there are bulk discounts when you buy more than one ad. So if you know anything about advertising, you know, people need to hear a message seven to 10 times before they even start to kind of hear what that message is. So obviously multiple um, ads do better typically than just a single ad, but I'd be happy to send you our media kit with sponsorship rates and let you know what that is and see if it would be a good fit for your business and for this Kindled audience. So go ahead and email me at Haley at kindledpodcast.com. If you'd like more information on that, it's H-A-L-E-Y at kindledpodcast.com. Do you hear from the women that you speak with personally that they are afraid of having that conversation or is there shame in coming to their husband and, and not being okay? Or what's kind of the, like, is there an underlying feeling that is often present in those situations for them? Yeah, it can be a lot of things. It can be just the fear in general. So for me, here's an example is that I had a dad that was kind of unavailable emotionally. Mm. You know, great dad taught me responsibility, had a soft heart, but because of, you know, him trying to raise, raise five children and running a business and all that, he just wasn't so much available. Mm. And so I didn't learn how to talk to a man because I didn't have, like, I wasn't daddy's little girl or anything like that. And so that was one part of it. The other is I had Jeff on a pedestal Mm. and I basically had him as a, I I idolized him. When I look back on it, I was probably, you know, up until probably when I first did my first stint of counseling to really look at childhood stuff, I didn't realize that I was insecure because I wouldn't have described myself that way because I came across as confident. I mean, I was a cheerleader. I was in front of people, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I didn't see an insecure part of me. I don't mean that in a prideful way. I just mean like, I I just didn't feel like, oh, I just hate everything about myself and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I realized I was insecure. And so in that insecurity had him on a pedestal right? and instead of Jesus. Okay. So I didn't even know I was supposed to have Jesus on the, on the throne, Um, but I had my husband there and I never wanted to disappoint him. But a lot of that came in from growing up, trying to be perfect at everything. Yep. And, you know, perfect daughter, perfect mom, perfect wife, like making sure back then in the eighties, we ironed our shirts and starched them. Mm-hmm. And so making sure his shirts were like perfectly ironed and having the perfect meal. And I was working too. I mean, it's just like crazy. You know, right? And then, yeah. And then we went through infertility mm-hmm. and had our girls through in vitro. And that was quite a process. And I actually thought that part of that was part of the emptiness of not having the, having, being able to have kids right away and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. a lot that played into it. It's not just yeah. one thing. That's right. the thing. I, I think, yeah, no, it, it, you're, you're right. And I identify so much with like almost all of like what you were describing with your upbringing and your dad and the cheerleading and feeling confident. And so then putting off this, you know, perception of yourself is like, I'm good. And, you know, and we can do that even with people that we really trust because it's just kind of our mode of operation and we fall into those patterns. 
you know, like obviously in, in a marriage where you want to be okay, you want to always be okay. Like, no, I've got it. I'm good. I'm not breaking down. I'm not having a hard time. I'm not struggling. But I think it's really important for, for that other person to see that you are not perfect, to see that yeah. you're not always okay, to, you know, almost, um, this may sound a little cynical, but almost to disappoint early and often, you know, um, Mm -hmm. yourself, your own expectations of like, Oh, I I thought I was just supposed to be like a really patient mom. Once I finally had these kids that I wanted so badly, I thought I was just going to be like so loving and always engaged and never not want to be around them. And it's like, no, I mean, you're going to disappoint yourself. You're going to disappoint others. And I'm not saying we glory in our sin, but being real. And even as a parent, like letting your children see that you are not perfect in your marriage, letting your children Mm -hmm. see the reality of mommy and daddy argue sometimes. And we have to say, we're sorry too. And we have to ask for forgiveness and we have to, you know, hug and kiss and make up just like we make you do, which, you know, we are doing that in our marriage on a regular basis. And sometimes when I'm frustrated and I don't want to actually say, I'm sorry, I will go, mommy hugs and kisses. And I'm like, stop it. Like, I wish you didn't know that. Yeah. But it's just, it's so important. And and I'm speaking from my own personal experience because my parents did get divorced after 25 years of marriage when I had been married for a year. And so, you know, being one year into your marriage, seeing that happen to your family and your parents and your support system that you, you never knew there were any internal compromises. You never thought there was anything wrong at all. Like, and, and yeah. so good to go. Like you're, you know, model family. It was just, it was really rocking situation for my husband and I to start our marriage off with. I look back now and I'm actually really grateful that I was able to experience and see the reality that like sin can get in so, so, so easily. It mm-hmm. is not hard. It does not take some explosive experience. It can just be the smallest decision. And then one day, 20 years later, you know, you don't know what's happened. And so it was helpful for me to even just um, approach marriage and and be almost like hyper aware of those expectations or, or, you know, not seeing my husband as on a pedestal or, or not trying to be perfect and not that I'm great at it. But I think that that's a, that's a fear that a lot of women have is being seen uh, lacking, you know, in any way. Well, and I, you know, I think one of the things we talk about a lot with people is God's order for things. And so we had no idea about this, you know, this order. And so basically what God wants in our lives is for him to be first in our lives. Mm-hmm. If you're married, then it's your husband or wife and then children, extended family and work. And so when we get that out of order, your life feels very chaotic. So a big word we hear all the time is, oh, just everything's so chaotic, uh, so busy. I just interviewed a gal this week. She was on the podcast mm-hmm. and her name's Valerie Burton. And she wrote a book. It's coming out in April. It's called It's About Time. And it's basically talking about what we see as urgent and things that for our time. So it's about time. (laughs) And, you know, what we see is urgent, but what we see is just, it's kind of like not really that necessary with our time. And so I think it's, you know, prioritizing my relationship with God. Well, I hear a lot with women, especially with little children. I don't have time to read the Bible. I, I, I mean, gosh, I can barely get out of bed and they're jumping on my bed and, and things like that, but we can make 15 minutes of time. I get it when you have small children. I mean, I had twins, so that was double trouble and a blast, but it's just, we can make the time. Yeah. And we've got to be thinking cognitively in our minds, God first, what does that look like? Spouse, second, 
uh, if you're married. And there's a lot of single women listening too that aren't married, but you know what, going into marriage, I wish I'd known this, Yeah, you know, things like how do we nurture that relationship? Even in a dating relationship, mm-hmm. it's remembering that God needs to be first. And yeah. I think probably some of your listeners being single and wanting to be married, some feel very desperate, very aware of that. I see a lot of single girls and they're like, I just want to be married. I just want to have a family. And I get it. And you know, God puts that on your heart to want that. And so still, though, God may have some wilderness experience for you in okay, that's great that you want to be married, but you need to be married to me first. And then I will show you the right guy and and all that kind of stuff. And again, like you were saying earlier, not everything just falls into place. Mm -hmm. God has a plan and we don't always know what that is. Right. And I think that Christian culture, um, at least the Christian culture I grew up with when I was in high school, even can sometimes really idolize marriage. Like there was this the, a purity culture, which I, I didn't even know it was called that, but this idea of, you know, purity rings and um, writing letters to your future husband and praying for your future husband, all this kind of stuff. Like I grew up reading books like Kissing Goodbye and all, yeah. all this <laughs> stuff that's uber soup. I don't know how to even describe it, but just very focused on that relationship. And so- yeah as a 16-year-old being super impressionable and very absorbing everything I was reading, I did start doing those things. I, I was praying for my husband. I was writing letters. I was, you know, I was spending so much emotional energy on thinking about this future relationship that I didn't even know if I would have, but I, yeah. I believed like I would have it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that none of that is beneficial, but I think there's, it's just really hard as a young girl, especially when you're hormonal and in high school and struggling with figuring out who you are and your, you know, identity to really keep God in the place that he deserves to be when you're also worried about praying for your future. It's like, how about pray for yourself and your, your yourself to fall in love with God? How about how yeah. about that? Like, let's, let's not stop focusing so much on your future husband. Worry about yourself kind of yeah. is what I would want to say to my daughters. If they were like, well, I just really want to pray for him. You know, God will take care of the outcome, but he wants your heart and yeah. he does not need Again, prayer is a good thing. I I believe in prayer, but he does not need your prayers for the future husband as much as he needs your own heart. And so I I don't know. I think that that possibly contributed some for me to some of the same tendencies to idolize my husband. And then when he disappointed me being so upset and being so, you know, it's like, you're supposed to be this like perfect Christian leader. And well, why aren't you leading us in a family devotional every night? You know, and that he's like, what? I'm supposed to be doing that? Like, okay. It's, it would have yeah. been good to know. How about, what do you want me to read? You know, it's just, yeah. It's, it can well, be. And also, you know, Gary Thomas wrote a book called Sacred Marriage and uh, we taught that for 10 years in our home. And the premise of it is to be, you know, we all want to be happy, right? But the premise being marriage isn't about becoming, being happy, but becoming holy. And that just doesn't apply to marriage. I mean, that applies to our life in general, no matter what stage you're in, is that, God wants us to become holy like he is holy. And so if that's our goal, kind of, and there's no guarantee, but happiness often is a byproduct of us following God and working towards holiness in this journey. And I, I'm a little hesitant to say, you know, become holy, you know, and all this kind of stuff, but yeah. becoming holy is a journey. Like I'm 60, I've been a Christian almost 30 years, and I'm still learning how to be holy. Yeah. And striving towards that, because I think sometimes, especially in this culture today, is that 
we want things so quickly and we have things very quickly. The drop of a hat, we can get answers on an email and we can, I didn't have that 20 years ago. And it becomes like we have to have this instantaneous thing, but God has us on a journey for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And because he's trying to teach us along the way. And, and it's really beautiful when we can think on that level and kind of have that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If there was one final word that you would say to the woman listening who is married, who is feeling uh, like a lot of this is resonating and maybe she doesn't know what to do next. What can she, what can she do? What can she pray about? How can she know how to move forward? Yeah. So the reality is um, a lot of your listeners are in a spot, in a tough spot, Um, either feeling lonely in the marriage. Maybe there's, uh, maybe they're in an affair. Maybe their husband is, maybe they, just found out about something. Um, we don't want to neglect the fact that pornography is a big, big kicker here in the marriage arena. And so one of the most important things I think is if you're walking this alone, tell someone. I also think really praying about being able to talk to your spouse and not be fearful. And so it's really just praying against fear because you got to remember that God is not a God of fear. He's not a God of shame. He's not a a God of guilt either. And so guilt and shame kept me from talking to Jeff as well. And so it's, it's all those kinds of things. And the most important is get help. It's okay. You know, I think not so much maybe today as much as it was when I was in my twenties, but counseling for some people is like a no, no, like, no, that means I'm doing horribly. You know what? We have a lot of people that see us that are basically coming in because they want to stay ahead of it. Yeah. And, and that's good. That's good to learn new things or be on guard and put, you know, boundaries around a marriage or around your life. You know, there's all kinds of different issues that we struggle with. Yeah. And I loved your advice earlier too, of like being in the word, because if you yeah. know, if you know the gospel and you've internalized it and it's, it's true for you, not just true in your head, but actually true for you, then yeah. that does empower you to say, I'm struggling because mm-hmm. you don't have to be perfect anymore because we already know we aren't perfect. We know right. Jesus was the only one who was perfect and God doesn't need us to be Jesus. He needs us to be, um, he needs us to bring our problems to him and, and cast our cares upon him because he is kind and loving and he is our father. But if we don't know the gospel, there is going to be a lot of fear and a lot of shame tied to anything that we would be struggling with. So, yeah. I also think too that what I run into are people that when you say, well, just be in God's word, a lot of people don't know what where to start mm. or it depends on where they are in their journey with the Lord. But, and so I think it's, if, if you're, new at this, or you don't, oh my gosh, this big book, like, what am I supposed to do here? You know, ask other people, you know, maybe look for a seasoned Christian that you can ask questions and it's okay to have someone guide you along. I was lucky enough in my thirties when I became a Christian that there were some women my age going to this church I was going to, and they wrapped their arms around me and taught me. And I literally felt like a little kid. You know, start here, read Psalms. I'm like, what Psalms? I got, you know, and and so it's also asking, it's okay. You don't have to have it all together. Yeah. 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 That's really good. 
Well, Cheryl, I really appreciate your words of just encouragement and sharing your story with Kindle listeners. I know a lot of people are going to be looking up your ministry and and just being really encouraged by what you shared today. So appreciate it. Haley, thanks for having me on. You're just a blessing. Oh, thank you. Um, So where can people find you online, connect with you and learn more about your ministry if this is something that they want to pursue further? Yeah. So the main spot is we do a lot on Instagram. So our Instagram in, in includes um, our ministry, the podcast, and personal. So it's at Cheryl Scruggs, and it's C-H-E-R-Y-L-S-C-R-U-G-G-S. Our ministry is hopeformarriages.com, and that's obviously expanded outside of just uh, marriage. And then the podcast is thrivingbeyondbelief.com. I've had some incredible guests on there, just lots of wisdom and really just, I I feel so blessed to have some of the guests that I've had on. And let's see, Facebook, you could go to basically our page is Cheryl Jeff Scruggs dash I do again. So that's our book. uh, I do again. And so you can kind of interact there and that's pretty much it. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming Uh, on. You bet. Take care. Guys, if you're not following me on Instagram, I would love to connect with you on that platform. It's where I hang out the most. It's where I get to know who listens to the show and what you think about it. It's where we can chat and engage on both posts and stories, all of that. You know how Instagram works, but come find me. It's HaleyWilliams.Kindled. You can also join our private Facebook community for Kindled listeners on Facebook. I just said that. Go to KindledPodcast.com and find the Join the Community button halfway down on the homepage. And oh yes, and then last but not least, if you have not left a rating interview for Kindled, I would love for you to do that. Um, you can do so on iTunes, leave a star rating and some words, click submit. It should only take you about 60 seconds, but it means so much to me and it really helps other women find the show. So thank you guys so much. I, re- I read every single one and you, they're honestly super encouraging. So I would love for you to do that. And other than that, Just make sure you come back next week. I'm going to be chatting with Bridget Benford on how focusing on your own health and well-being affords you the grace you need as an entrepreneur and mom. All right. Until next Monday, have an awesome week. I'll see you then. Bye, guys.